Good morning, saints. Lord have mercy. Saints, we made it. We all the way up. Like, saints, ain't, can't nobody tell us nothing. Ain't nobody going to be able to tell us nothing after this. Like, we made it, saints. We went from IG videos. First of all, if you way back, we went from Facebook posts to IG videos. Now we got a podcast. Saints, give God a wave orphan and a hand clap. For those of y'all that don't know me, my name is Dom. I am a clown that is from West Philly. I'm a John, Philly John all day, every day. I'm currently in DC, living my life like it's golden in the DMV area. I wanted to create a show where it felt like you were sitting in your aunt's living room and talking with your cousins about like love, sex, and relationships and talking to your homegirl about why she don't go to church no more. Like I wanted the show to feel like that. And that's the vibe the show has. Cause I get to sit down and talk with some of my dope ass, brilliant ass, like amazing ass friends. And they, when I say they are dope, like you can't get no doper than the people I know. Also, let me slip this word of caution in here. Now I do cuss. I cusses. I likes to cuss. It relieves my stress. So if you can't take that, Saints, this may not be the show for you. Shirley Caesar's running a program a few doors down. You should go check her podcast out. But back to me, Saints. I love having wonderful conversations with my friends. And this is the show that I wanted to put together. A show for us by us. A FUBU-ass type of show. Now, just to clarify, me and my friends are very churchy. So every time you hear us, there is some type of church song or verse of scripture or something that we have grown up saying. So please, you know, just look the other way or laugh kiki with us if you understand what we're saying. If you don't, that's all right. You're still a saint in, in your heart. You're a saint in your heart. We're going to welcome you into the family. You are part of the saints. Let's get into this first episode, saints. It features my friend Alexis Dunbar, the amazing, brilliant, and talented Alexis Dunbar. And we talk about our faith journeys growing up in the Black Pentecostal Church, um, issues we've overcome, what our faith communities look like now, and the road forward. I really hope you enjoy it, saints. Good morning. I am here with one of a kind. Like, I mean, there is no one else on the planet like this person. I met her. The the first time I saw her, she had a broken leg. And she was (laughs) hopping around the cafeteria at Eastern. And and then when she sat down at my table, she was ordering people around to get her food from different places. And people were bringing her food. And she was like, this is not what I asked for. And I was like, who is this girl with this evil spirit? (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> the second time I met her, I have to talk about the outfit. She had a pair of like corduroy burgundy-ish pants with a white collar shirt and a tweed blazer <laughs> with a, I believe it was a corduroy newsboy cap <laughs> and told us she wasn't queer. <laughs> I said, I have to know her and be her friend. And that person is none other than Alexis Dunbar. Welcome. Welcome. Well, I welcome. guess this is what happens when your friend emails you and says, please send me a bio. And you refuse to do that. <laughs> Alexis, please tell these people a little bit about yourself. Since you really, since you did not give me a bio, <laughs> tell the people about yourself. All right. Well, yes, I am Alexis Dunbar, uh, North North with an F, Philly native. Uh, do not, do not, stand <laughs> up, do not. 
Right. I was one of those kids who grew up extremely sheltered in the church, but I grew up in the hood. So, right. <laughs> right. So, wow, yeah. Um, yeah, I am currently an educator and uh, I work at a coffee shop and I drive for Lyft and I drive Grubhub and um, I also am a TA. So I got about six jobs. Um, so that's fun. Working. Um, studying for the GRE and hoping to um, beg a school to accept me into their PhD program. She so. don't have to beg nobody. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, she can walk up to Yale tomorrow and knock on Dr. Willie Jennings' door and he would let her in his program. That is how brilliant she is. Like, okay. that is how brilliant she is. That's ridiculous. So, um... Yeah, I'm just a, a person that loves to have fun. I'm an eight wing seven on the Enneagram. I am uh, an ENFP on the Myers Briggs, and my E is 98%. So, uh, yeah, I'm a lot, and I love to have fun, but I also love to go deep, get real deep. I love to talk about changing the world. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alexis is my unicorn friend. <laughs> so, this episode, and I'll tell you this episode is focused on it's called christian ish that's the topic of this episode christian ish i'm a christian ish like i grew up in a very christian household but then something happened and i still have these principles that i live by or i may not but i still believe in this certain deity or i may not or i may still have this certain uh theological framework and just a host of of things that a lot of millennials are going through and specifically black millennials that grew up in Pentecostal and, um, Baptist church spaces, mm-hmm. um, AME, you know, black denominations, uh, cool J, um, P P what are they call P E W P what I'll look through. P A W. I'll call them P P E W. I grew up. Uh, Pentecostal apostolic. So I mean, she grew up even worse. I'm extra holy. <laughs> they had to wear that sh- the napkins and shit on their heads. <laughs> wear opaque stockings, girl. Opaque Baby oatmeal. oatmeal. Dye your fingernails red or any color close to that. Couldn't get your eyebrows tweezed. Couldn't cut it your was, hair. <laughs> like you couldn't do anything. It was just, girl, it was a cult. Go to the movie theater. Oh my God. Not allowed I to go to. Movie. My dad wanted to take me to Space Jam because my dad was a heathen. That my is dad wanted to take me to Space out. Jam. And I was like, no, daddy, we can't go see it because <laughs> the the Bible says right. Uh, uh, right. Uh, the blessed is the man that walketh not in the castle of the young bitch, bitch, bitch. Bitch. Like, it was we weird. To, we had to wear skirts at the rolling rink. Long jean skirts, my nigga. Huh? Wait, I need to redeem myself with that scripture. Hold up, I quoted it wrong. Psalms <laughs> one. Blessed is the man that walk not not the counsel under. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor uh-huh. sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But he delight. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it doth he meditate day meditate. and night. He is he is like a tree planted by the rivers, rivers? of water uh-huh. that gives. Fruit in season and out of season. I'm not sure about this last part. I, that part I lost. That um, part I lost, but I remember that much. I remember that. Water, 
that gives fruit in his season whatsoever he shall do shall prosper come on um the wicked are not so they are like yes. the in which the uh chaff, chaff drive, drive the drives way. away um uh well then what is it what it go what it go oh my god i don't know i don't know i don't know Oh, I don't want to cheat, but yo, I'm dead serious. Like, we grew up military style, right? Like quoting scripture. Right. We grew up um, knowing the books of the Bible: Genesis, yep. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, yep. Judges, Judges, Ruth, First, Second, Samuel. Second, first, like, it was like it was like we was weird robots. Hey, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Um, Jonah, whoa, shoot, Joel Amos. I can't remember. Jonah, Micah, Habakkuk. Um, Habakkuk, yes, yeah, say it right. Hey, guy, Zechariah, Malachi, Zephaniah. No, I'm not sure after that, bitch. Shoot, dang. You can cuss. You can cuss. Dang, my grandma Pearl is disappointed right now. I hope she's not listening. Let me tell you something, <laughs> Sister Alice, my Sunday school teacher, is weeping because I do not remember <laughs> all Sister of the Rachel old is upset. <laughs> <laughs> Mother Doris will pop me in the mouth if she do. Then little Dominique did not remember the books of the Bible. Yes, she would get me. Um, but yeah, so we grew up like in in the hood, right? She grew up in North Philly. I grew up in West Philly. And we was walking through the hood to get to church. Like, that's the crazy part. We yep. went through all the crime. We went through all the poverty. We seen yep. all this shit on the outside. Yep. And then we went into the church, which for me was like a safe space. Absolutely. It was a sanctuary. It was a community. I loved going to church. Absolutely. Like. When shit happened and it seemed like he wasn't going to go, I would cry oh, as a kid yeah. because my mom used to punish me. My mom used to punish me from not being able to go to church when I got in trouble in school. Damn. Church, I'd be so sad, yo. Yo, I I remember being like I was crying one time. My mom said my mom left right from work to go to church because she had to sing or something or do something, and it was a pastor. Pastor Judy Gibbs, who's, you know, uh, going on to be with the Lord. She, she told my mom to come to the church and my mom couldn't come pick me up. And by this time I'm like a preteen and my mom tells me in the phone, Dom, I can't come to pick you up. And you know, you're just going to have to stay home tonight. And this is when like revival was happening. Mm. And you know, when it's revival, you know, I am not staying home. Revival. Number one, it's gonna be a crazy service. Number two, I'm gonna see all my friends. All of them. Number three, I'm gonna eat good. Number right. two, I'm gonna probably skip school Friday because I'm tired. Absolutely. Like, oh, we wanted to go to revival. Like we went. It was like, so much fun. Oh it was God. so much fun. And then summertime meant tent revivals too. Mm, yeah, man, I cry in the phone. My mom was like, "I can't come pick you up." I cried so bad. Pastor Judy said to my mom, "Go get that baby." <laughs> That's how bad how I wanted to go to church. My mom punished me. Ma, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I did this. <laughs> what did so you do, sorry. nigga? What did you do? My mom put me on punishment and said I couldn't go to this youth conference. So you know what I did? Mm-hmm. I, I ran away for three days. Oh my god. <laughs> You so, I, so I can go to the youth conference. Stop. 
I literally was sleeping outside, right? I and then like, you. like walking dumb. I walked from 29th and Huntington, where I grew up, to to impacting your world, Christian. No, no. Yes, dumb. I no. walked. Carry like dragging my suitcase with my clothes in it so I can change my clothes during the youth conference. <laughs> I took pictures talking about some I pressed my way to get here. <laughs> <laughs> That's how hard we was going for the That's Lord. That's how hard I went for church, y'all. Y'all can ask my mom. That story is <laughs> I promise you on everything that I know. That's no. Is the honest to God truth that I ran away because she would not let me go to church. So talk to us about your faith journey. Walk us through, you know, how you came to the Lord. It's people in the black church today or church they got saved, evangelical say born again. Um, tell us how that happened. Um, when you got serious about your faith and you know, different things, especially like Pentecostal markers, like when the first time you shouted, bitch, and when was the first time you spoke in tongues, bitch, and when did you get baptized? Like yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it's a it's a wild story. Um, so I grew up Pentecostal Apostolic, um, in went to a church, Philadelphia Way of the Cross Church in Logan, and um you know, we would walk to church because we were so close most times, my grandma and I. So literally from the time that I came out of the womb, I've been in church. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, my grandma was a missionary. My grandpa was a deacon. And so um, he's an elder now, but at the time was a deacon. And so I was always there, you know, women's Bible study, women's prayer, men's prayer. I'm always there. Um, and so growing up, you know, memorizing scripture and stuff. But I, I really did love church from the time that I was a child. You know, um, we were apostolic. So church probably started around 9 a.m. You know, we had service until around 3. You went give, me, give, me, give me what that service sounded like. What would that service yeah. structure look like? So 9 a.m. to like 10 something was Sunday school. Uh-huh. So and I was a kid in Sunday school, like taking over the class always. Right. Um, that personality. Yeah, um, that was me, too. You know, taking over the class and everything, but I loved it. I loved the Bible. You know, um, my mom said I would come home from church, and my mom worked at night. And she wasn't saved; she was a heathen. So I would come home from church. I would wake her up um, and preach her to her whatever sermon my six-year-old mind remembered. Hmm. When you went to church with Pearl, I love you, Mama. When you went to church with Pearl, when you turned sick, you were no longer allowed to sleep, and you had to listen to the word. You if you fell asleep. You yep. could tell her nothing. It was not time. There was for no children's It was church. time. No children's church. It was time to listen to the word. It was time for you to pray with the Holy Ghost. And so. Can I ask you a question? Did yeah. they make you stand on the wall? I didn't. I had to stand not on the wall. I had to stand up, like right, just in the pew where you're standing while everybody else is sitting down. Oh until- no, that's even worse. I at least got to go to the wall. Oh no, girl! I had you had worse. You knew when niggas were sleeping. You just see, just popping up, just standing. Because when you fall asleep, when you're slant, standing, then you get your ass whooped right there. During right. The and, 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 and wake him up. Wake him right. up while, I, while I'm talking. Right. Right. Like, what? I just right. wanted to take a nap. We've been here since right. nine o'clock. Right. But so, according to my grandmother, the first time I spoke in tongues was at the age of six. Oh my um, You got it early. I got it early. And so I don't remember that fully, but this is what I do remember. Um, talking about my faith journey. This is what, this is what I understood at church. This is what I understood God to be. So 
Pentecostal apostolic, we believed in, you know, the rapture, right? And Mm -hmm. so um, it was uh, New Year's Eve of uh, 1999. We were about to go into the year 2K, Y2K. And if you were alive during that time, you know, every mm-hmm. like the world's gonna end. You know? Jesus is coming back at midnight. Right, right. And so I was in sixth grade at the time. And um, that night we go to church. And so you grew up in black church, um, you understand watch night service, right? And so yep. um, we, we, we go to church New Year's Eve and at midnight you're on your knees praying. And so we went to Terry before service. And Terry, for those of you who don't know, for the service start, you are at the altar praying for this uh, invoking of the Holy Ghost, right? And so this kind of overtaking of uh dd spiritual realm and so uh essentially it's you know begging for the presence of god for this fulfillment this tangible presence of god and so we decided that before we went to in to the year 2000 we were going to get the holy ghost because Mm -hmm. what my understanding of theology at the time was you weren't saved until you spoke in tongues right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that comes from Acts 2, right? And so mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and so we were like, we are not leaving this altar until we get the Holy Ghost. So we tarry and tarry and crying. Oh, Lord, yeah. You Serv- start saying anything at that point. Listen, service starts. We ain't stopped. So they said, oh, take them on the other side of the church, right? And so there was this oh, shit. smaller church. Dom, I, we tarried until I think like 11 o'clock that night, just her and I in this room, right? Oh until we both spoke in tongues. And I, and I remember that to this day, like even telling the story right now, like I'm tearing up because I literally remember wow. like it switching, right? And wow. I, yes, talk about the yeah, switch. Yeah, yeah. I remember wow. it being real and I remember yeah. couldn't stop, right? Yeah, it's um, the craziest feeling in the world. It was crazy. It was crazy. Um, and so, anyways, that, so that was that was my childhood. You know, I was I was in fifth grade when that happened. Right. Um, mm-hmm. After that, though, my mom got saved at a Baptist church and was like, "Yo, this is this apostolic. That ain't it. Like, you got to come to church." <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and at my mom's church, there was a woman as an assistant pastor. And so I grew up in a church, though, that um, women weren't even allowed really to mount the pulpit. But yeah. I knowing from the time I was a child that I was called to preach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, years later when I was in college, I, you know, I told my grandparents about my call to, pre- call to preach on my life. And they were like, yeah, we knew that. And in fact, my grandma said the bishop of our church um, he said to her when I was six. So that time mm-hmm. that first yep. um, speaking in tongues for the first time, he said to her that I had a call in my life and that she needed to watch me. Right. Mm-hmm. This was from a man that didn't believe in women preachers. Right. Mm-hmm. To my grandmother. Right. So literally like mm. think about the cognitive dissonance in that, in that. Right. Right. That it's actually sinful for a woman to be a preacher yet you go to a woman to tell her that her yeah, her granddaughter her granddaughter mm-hmm. is tall right and she's six you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so um 
but yeah, so that happened, you know, then I went to the Baptist church. Um, and that's when I really, really fell in love with the word, right? I gotta say, you know, for whatever, all the crap that, you know, we talk about Baptist churches, you know, if you come from a Pentecostal church, that yeah. is, I fell in love with the word, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, Pentecostals taught me how to pray, right? They taught yes. me how to pray. They taught yes. me how to get my way through on a spiritual level, but Baptist yes. taught me to work. Yes. So, yeah. So, you know, then I had, you know, my years of like rebellion and all that stuff. And then, you know, teenage years went back to Pentecostal church. That's where I felt most comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. Black Pentecostal church. Um, and it was there for the first time that I, I really accepted a call to preach and sat down with the bishop at my church and was like, you know, I, I feel called. I feel called to preach. Um, mm-hmm. What she said to me was, okay. So, so I need to see you leading because real leaders actually serve. Right. And so Mm -hmm. you're called to preach that, that also means that like, you don't have a problem like cleaning the bathroom. And that just really stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, said a lot about, um, who I wanted to be as a person and as a leader and all that. And so, um, I say even in, even in all the theological shifts that we're going to get into later, right. Mm -hmm roots are still very Pentecostal. Um, right. I very much, um, speak in tongues, right? Like I still, um, very much prophesy and, and sometimes it's like when I'm in a bar, right? Uh, <laughs> after that, I went, you know, in college, I experienced a lot of, um, internalized, just anti-blackness. Um, mm-hmm. And really, really delved into white Jesus and, you know, church and, you know, um, then went to the white, heady, you know, Presbyterian, frozen, chosen um, folks and all of that, Um, you know, thank God for deliverance. But um, so I have a rich on like a really rich theological background. Um, I have it attended many different types of, um, Christian services and and denominations, you know, whether it's once, um, and I've seen a lot and, and so really grateful for all of those experiences. Um, Mm -hmm. even while, you know, I still try to figure the rest out. And it's funny because all of the women that are in my circle, my close friends, like my bosom buddies, the girls I call the little night, we all have the same type of background. Church, churchy, our parents served, we served, we had a call. And though some of us in my circle are, are still in those spaces, others of us have transitioned out. Yeah. Um, I left my childhood church after being the youth leader, youth pastor for, I think, two years at that point. I left in 2014. Um, I joined church when I moved to California in 2016 barely went and I just have this back and forth dance I do with the church um where I love it but I also remember it as being a place of hurt so what happened you talk about this rich history that you have um and I know you where you know not completely where you are now but where you are now is someone that does not go to church every Sunday when we grew up going to church every Sunday and being in church almost every day of the week, what, what happened if you can share without, you know, within your comfort zone and what you're comfortable with? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, what happened was I went to seminary and almost became agnostic. Um, Jesus. <laughs> seriously. Um, and it, it really didn't have a, anything to do with God. Um, and, and so thankfully that's, you know, I was saved in that. Um, but it had a lot to do, everything to do with, with the people who represent God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, in seminary, um, I experienced a sexual assault and my seminary, um, really, really, let's put it this way. They really sinned against me in the way that they responded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, um, you know, so that happened. Um, I saw so much more racism in the church, uh, than I had ever experienced because, you know, I grew up in black church. And so, um, I was then in these white spaces that, um, were extremely racist. And, um, you know, I saw that I, I, um, also then started, questioning God um, when there seemed to be um, this moment of like wokeness for me, right? Like mm-hmm. we all that term, right? Like, oh, became woke or whatever. And that was um, right after um, Mike Brown was murdered um, by Darren Wilson. Mm-hmm. And um that's when I had a lot of questions for the world. I had a lot of questions for God. Um, and I wasn't satisfied with, at the time I was in very reformed churches. And so I wasn't satisfied with predestination um, because mm-hmm. they seemed like a bully. God seemed racist. God seemed um, sexist, right? God, God seemed very much only to care about um, white men and then sometimes mm-hmm. women. And, um, so I was, I needed to, to quickly break up with that God. And that was a really painful experience. I lost a lot of friends. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of people who I still love deeply. Um, but this transition for me really freed me to, you know, become myself, right. And, and to explore who I am. Um, and, and that cost me so many relationships. Right. And so, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a part of the transition. So, so there was hurt. There was also this, um, unsettling within myself. I would tell people all the time that if I weren't a Christian, I would probably be bisexual. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause at the time I couldn't, um, I, I, I couldn't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Express, um, I don't know. Oh, um, I couldn't rationalize mm. uh, being a Christian and being a queer person. I couldn't rationalize being a, Christ- a Christian and being called to ministry and being queer, right? Because, um, you know, I think a part of it is, wow, like I'm going to lose even more people, right? Like, right. like 
my understanding of God is shifting and that has caused me to, to lose people. And now my understanding of myself is not necessarily shifting, but I'm allowing myself freedom, right. To, to think and, and to feel and, um, to explore. Um, and you know, I gave myself permission to, to start dating women and knew that I, at the time I felt like I couldn't really go to church when I was giving myself permission to do that. Um, but I found a really, really dope church in, in Philly that mm-hmm. really helped me ask the question. It, it's really, you know, the, this person said to me, I said to this person, can I be called to ministry or can I be a Christian and still be queer? And this person said, can you not be called to ministry? And I was like, no, I've tried. I've tried to like give up this call. Mm-hmm. But okay. And they said, can you not be queer? And I said, no, I've also tried that. Right. And they said, so, so you can't not be either of those things that you are. Right. So, right. So the answer is yes. Like, yes, like you are fully queer and you're fully a Christian and you're a minister and like all of those things exist in you and those things are good. Uh, and it was like for the first time I had permission to be myself and to be happy. Uh, mm-hmm. But that didn't match with the history and with the God that I knew, you know, on the altar praying you know, for the gift of Holy Ghost, right? That that mm-hmm. didn't match. And, and so for a while, I I thought it meant that I needed to give up God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was reminded in seminary um, around, around this time that I was asking these questions, I had a professor say, you know, we were in like a church history class or something. Um, shout out to Dr. Cooper. Um, <laughs> but... Mm-hmm said, you know, I believe that we can break Christianity up into three categories, the absolutes, convictions, preferences. Mm-hmm. The absolutes are the things that we absolutely have to believe to say that we're Christian, right? And so, and he's like, and I would say that those are the things that we've already agreed upon in the creeds, right? That's why the creeds were, were written, right? Like every right, right, right. of like creeds or whatever to say, here's what's in, here's what's out, right? And and you know, whatever, right. Absolutes, convictions and preferences. Um, and he was like, and most of the stuff that we you on or split churches on or whatever, lose relationships are on convictions and preferences. Um, and so that actually freed me to be like, you know, who I choose to love, whether or not you want to argue that I was born this way, whether or not you want to argue that I chose it. I personally don't care. Right. Mm-hmm that if people are convicted one way or the other on that, absolutely. That's your conviction, whatever. Right. Like, you know, whatever there's scientific, there's research for both, right. Whatever. I don't care. That's not of any concern to me. Um, but what was concerned to me was, can I still be my full self and choose to love, you know, a woman? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and the answer was, yeah, because I, 
I I believe I I think I, I my beliefs are in line with the absence of Christianity. I would say, you know, when we look at the creeds, when we you know believe in God, believe in the Trinity, right? Believing in Christ and whatever whatever way we see, you know, resurrection or redemption, all those other things, right? Like all of that is is very much you know on a levels of conviction, right? And mm-hmm. um, church worship styles and all of that, like that's preferences, right? And so it's like, you know. What are the things that we have to agree on? Let's agree on those things. And the other things, if I'm not hurting you, mind your business, you know? Right. Like, it shouldn't be a concern. And so, and that freed me, you know? And that mm-hmm. really, really did free me to be like, all right, cool. And now, like, I'm in a happy relationship. Like, I'm engaged, right? Like, I I am, like, experiencing family, right? And and learning what it's like to, to, to begin a healthy, you know, godly, you know, marriage, right? Like that's important to me. Um, and it's dope. And I, and I, and I, someone, you know, people said to me that, um, you know, my relationship with my fiance, you know, that we are destroying each other's lives, right? Because this isn't what, this is in God's best, right? That, that we are going to be the destruction of each other. Um, wow. And wow. That if you actually know me, um, you, you cannot refute the evidence that this relationship has actually brought me life. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it has. And so... So then what is your answer then for that, right? Like, where is the destruction? Because what I see is growth and, you know, and like holiness and beauty, right? And, and love flourishing, right? Like, unlike anything else I've experienced. So yeah, so that, that's my switch, you know? That's how I, that's why I don't go every Sunday, you know? I'm just like, because I don't, you know, I'm not, Right now, I've not found a church that um, I think aligns with more of my convictions mm-hmm. <laughs> or different preferences, right? I'm going to be, you know, frank about that, right? And right. I get to be thinky in that, you know? I get to, um, because I want something different, you know? I, I, I miss I miss the Pentecostal church, um, but it ain't safe for me. So, mm-hmm. so I don't go. Mm-hmm. Mm, like, I heard that it ain't it ain't safe for me, and it resonates because I I love like my favorite thing in the world is a Pentecostal devotional service, not worship service, not not just not praise and worship services. Hear me when I say this: devotional services, where there was one person leading a song, it was a call and response song. Like those moments, I miss, and when I go to church it hurts so bad to hear these things from my childhood that I'll start to cry when it's not me crying for the Holy spirit or crying because I feel the presence of God. I'm crying because I'm hurt or reliving trauma. So when I say all of this, I I, want to ask you a question because I know there's a lot of back and forth about it with people that are still inside the church that say this doesn't exist this happens on your job and you still go back to work. Why can't you come back to church? Is church hurt real? Is it a manifestation of 
things that, you know, people that have left or people that have been wounded just have made up or been too sensitive about, excuse me, or is it truly when someone hurts you, but they have often said that they have come in the name of the Lord, or they are often standing in the place of God um, as the angel of the house, or the shepherd of the house. Like, is it real to say, I've been hurt by the church and I don't want to come back? It hurt that bad. I know for me, I can say yes. But what about for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the thing. Um, if anybody ever said to me, oh, like you've been hurt at your job, but you should go. And it was, well, number one, they were paying me. And two, I went until I found another one, right? Um, and there's something called human resources at my job. Right. You do not have to stay around or be in relationship with abusive people point blank period that's it yes 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 and so no i am not subjecting myself to abusive people i don't care brother or sister in christ or not bro if you are abusive you got hella bad vibes and you are a person that when yep. people come to you and say, here's my concern, that you don't take that and look at it empty and be like, okay, what are ways in which maybe this is right and how can we grow together? Then, bro, I'm good. I'm out. I am because, out. Right. Because all it's going to be, like, you're just going to continue to hurt me. I'm going to, and I've seen this happen in church. People become the whipping pony yeah. of a particular minister yeah. and or pastor. Yeah. And they have to stand there and they have to take it. I'm not that person. Here's I'm not one of those The people. way that we do church, the way that we do black church and the hierarchy and all of those other. Yes. Oh, my God. Literally a trauma response. It's literally us reacting our relationships with white folks on the plantation. Woo, Jesus. That is what we are doing. That is what we are conditioned to do. So here's the thing. This is what's happening right now. Folks my age aren't going to church anymore. And these younger generations definitely ain't going to church anymore. Because literally we are like, oh, we are literally actually, there's too much evidence in research that shows us that y'all kept abuse down from generations and generations and generations. And we are motherfucking tired of this shit. And so if we got to leave church to get away from this abuse, then do we will do. We will. We and will. that's where we're at right now. That's why we're not going into churches because at the end of the day, if the pastor is the only person that has the say so to me, that is dangerous. Yes. That's the first thing I look for that. And where's the money going? And where's the money going? And that's where's the money going? Cause he keep pulling up. He got a Benz one week. He got a Bentley one, a Mercedes one week. Then he got a 300 the next week. So why he got all this? Exactly. And the church don't got nothing. And we all catching the bus person if you the only person that is running the church that has a final say so on all of the things i have an issue with that run run i run. have don't, an issue with don't that. join no church like that don't join and no church when one person's in control that's why we not fucking winning no more like that's it bro like at the end of the day we are tired. We are tired of respectability politics. Like, literally, we all have tattoos. Preach. 
we are queer, we are free and wear what we want to wear. Some of us wear bras, some of us don't. Don't wear underwear, panties. We do whatever we want to do with our bodies and y'all can't accept that. So no, not coming because what we're not going to do is what my mom's generation did. And basically in a lot of ways, like they either contorted themselves to like fit into that mold. And now they're fifties and, you know, late forties and realizing like, shit, I don't want to live like that. I don't got to live like that. I don't want to live like that for nothing. And, And now I'm left with what? What was Nothing. the return on the investment? Broken promises. What was the return on the investment that we've got from all those years of being in church? All of that seed sowing. What is our ROI? I've not seen it. Come on, let's talk about it. I've not seen it. Talk about it. Don't tell me this shit works because who does it work for? It actually doesn't Damn work. Damn sure ain't us. Works for the person in charge, and that ain't me, so I'm good. I'm and I'm trying yeah. to do it so I can be in charge. Because honestly, I don't believe in a one man runs the show leadership. At the end of the day, our issue is with how things are run. Our issue mm. is that we want to come and we want to be ourselves. We want to explore new things, right? We want to take risks. We also don't want to be in church all along and stuff. We don't. We don't want to do that, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, sometimes when it's like a special occasion, but not every week because you're not paying me to be here, bro. Like, <laughs> like, I want to enjoy. I want to go to brunch. Let I me go to brunch. brunch. I want a mimosa. But I say all that to say. Yes, church hurt is real, and I will literally fight anyone that will try to tell me otherwise, because at the end of the day, no, I am not turning the other cheek for you to abuse me over and over again. That, my friend, was an analogy that Jesus was using. That does not mean that I stay in abusive relationships. No, I will not do that. And Mm. we've for too long. And I think what, what is interesting now is what, that we're seeing um, we're seeing with uh, Candace Bimbo, who is a writer and content creator um, in several um, cyber spaces and online communities and on her own platforms. Um, she talks about we're creating spaces outside of the four walls of the church, outside of denominations. We're creating community for ourselves. So with that being said, how have you begun to create community for yourself since you're not going into the four walls of a church? How have you begun to create community for yourself and how has your faith changed um, and evolved over this, you know, this time period? Yeah. So um, my fiance and I are really intentional about community because we understand that if you don't learn something different, then you will repeat the patterns that you've grown up with. And that is, that is absolutely the opposite of what we want to do in life. Mm-hmm. So, um, we are intentional about seeking out, you know, even before we were together individually, we were intentional about seeking out mentors and stuff. You know, we very much are naturally inclined to that. Um, and so we have mentors, um, people that we intentionally seek that out. Um, we go to couples counseling just because like we want to love each other well. Right. And, right. and don't want to not, you know, start learning how to communicate really in a ways that speak to each other's heart until something big comes up. Cause it's going to come up. Right. Right. So 
<clears throat> excuse me, we do that. Um, we have met people at conferences um, that we then have developed community with, right? And try to be intentional with, whether it's like, you know, we hang out at least twice a month, you know, probably all of us, sometimes maybe more than that. Um, it was important for us when we were looking for a place to live together that it mm-hmm. had space for community, right? And so um, <clears throat> we both work at a university and so we're very intentional about reaching out to, you know, a few students and really being like older sisters to them, like, you know, how I had you know, growing up in, in school and just people that's like, not my parents, but that I can talk to, you know, that's not going to judge me, but that's also going to kick me in the butt when I need it. Right. Uh, you know, keeping in contact with my friends from college, right? Like it's so many different pieces, right? And so there isn't this like one church, I think Candace Bimbo is absolutely correct, right? There isn't this one place that I go that has all my friends because what I've known and what you've known and what we've learn from experience is that if you fuck it up all of them yo your family is gone and that's it and you are a huge chunk of your life this this your community because the church really was the one-stop shop and we've had to start to piece and puzzle together a community because the church really was a one-stop shop you had aunties uncles siblings upon the church right right we had a, a wealth of community, a variety of ages, and but once it's gone, right, it's and gone, and that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be your community. Your, sh- your community shouldn't be. Once one thing happens in a certain community, then you have no more people. That's unhealthy yeah. because shit happens. You're not looking out for you in that way, right? Like, That's right. That's right. So, you know, my fiance and I have said this from the beginning of our relationship. If we ever broke up, the thing that draws us to each other is knowing that if we ever broke up, we gonna be all right. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna suck. She got her people. I got my people. We we gonna be all right, right? Like we both got people that's gonna take us out and let us talk shit about the other person and get us drunk and let us cry and all of that. We got those people separately, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and we also have those people together, right? And right. so, um, you know, we have young couples over, um, you know, to to talk and you know to counsel and to really pour into. We're very intentional about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's all over the place, you know. I'll I'll reach out to somebody that I'm reading their book in a hot minute. Reach out to them on Twitter and literally be you will. Can you I will. ask you a question? Literally, she does a few weeks ago, right? Um, and I've most of the time people say yes, and I DM them a, DM them a question, and sometimes that turns into actual relationship, and sometimes it's just that, and I move on, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's really realizing that at the end of the day, we all got to put ourselves out there. Um, and there's a chance that this person actually could be a dope ass person that I would get to experience. Right. Like how cool would that be? So, mm-hmm. and that's how you make community. Yeah. And that's how, yeah, that is, that is exactly it. Um, and how, how has that, I guess, how has your faith been? How has your faith been a part of this deep development development of community? like your theological shiftings, um, you know, cause I know even in our own, our community that we have as friends from college, 
our theological shiftings don't all happen at once. They happen to happen at different times. So you have a community of people and you all don't agree. There's not consensus. And you know, in the black church, there was consensus. Like, even if you didn't agree, you agreed. So you wouldn't get in trouble. That's the, I think that's the beauty of it. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing is that I have so many different communities that when shit come up, you know, I got a lot of different perspectives that I can pull on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can weigh them with what feels right to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. dope. That's so dope. Like I have a plethora of people that I can go to with an issue and say, "Please help me solve that," and then I can come back with all of that evidence, right, and sift through it and come up with a solution, right? Like mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Whereas going to the church, they would probably tell me to pray about it or, you know, open a scripture in the Bible and see what it says. Right. And it was kind of this like, you know, magical like luck thing. Maybe that worked. Maybe that didn't. But this truly brings me into relationship with people. Mm -hmm. And closer to God. Yeah. And And in my opinion, closer to God. What I'm understanding more and more is that the more I understand and allow people in, right, the closer I begin to understand and to have relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I see that in my community, right? Like I, you know, that I have friends who are, you know, not Christian and it's dope. And we talk about faith, right? And that's exciting. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been to, you know, various different, you know, um, interfaith services or various services of faith or whatever. Right. Like um, it's cool to see the ways in which at the end of the day, pretty much as humans, we are trying to make sense of the world. Right. Like, why does the world exist? Why do we exist? What's my purpose? All that. Right. Like we've Mm -hmm. heard. Right. This is this is what we're trying to figure out. Right. And so whether you're doing that through Christianity or, you know, you're Muslim or you're a Buddhist or you're agnostic or whatever, we are all trying to ask the same questions. That's the bottom line. So. And I, I think we'll close here, but I, I wanted to talk about one thing before. I don't know if I'll keep this or not, but when I asked about, uh, um, you know, your how, how has your faith changed? How has it evolved? The story came to mind when you went to, for, for those of you who know, we went to college together. Or those of you who don't know, we went to college together. And Alexis had uh, some type of biblical studies class. I think you were, weren't you a Bible major and English major or something like that? And I was an English major and uh, I was a Bible minor. Bible minor. So Alexis learned in a class that hallelu- hallelujah or hallelujah <laughs> was not the highest praise. <laughs> And her happy ass, and I'm the same way. When I learn something about the Bible that's cool, I run to people that I know will think or I believe will think this is cool too. And so Alexis went to church. And what happened? I went to church. My Pentecostal church. And I'm telling these black folks that hallelujah is not the highest praise. Now, I just want y'all to realize she told a room full of old black people, old black apostolic Pentecostal people. Pentecostal people, worship leaders. Holla, 
The oh, bishop's no, daughter you... was in the room when I was saying this, right? She like I was talking to the worship team, right? Hallelujah was not the highest praise. And I was you like, know, oh, I said, yeah, I said, it's not the highest praise. I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, no. I said, the way that the word breaks down, you know, what I'm telling, I'm like, it's a command to praise God. Now, here's the thing. This is literally what my <laughs> professor has told me. I didn't research this. So even if it's wrong now, oh, well, right. But anyways, <laughs> so said, it's a command to praise God. So when somebody say hallelujah, your response should be thank you, God. Right. And so right, right. she's trying to hype it up and make it like I'm, something I'm, deep now. Somebody says to me. See, this is why I don't like when y'all go to college because then y'all come back thinking y'all know. <laughs> and while that story is funny, what happened though is that started pushing me away from the black church because mm-hmm. the more I learned mm-hmm. and when I started challenging, the right. more was met with oh i'm being you know i'm causing this disruption or whatever whatever right Uh, and okay yeah i was 18 19 so maybe i didn't bring it with the most like maturity but also i was inquisitive right like i i wanted to know i actually cared about the bible i actually cared about what we were reading and we were saying and i knew that words mattered so like why would you not want to have this conversation with me um so yeah, that that was that was crazy, yeah. but that that really did start the beginning of me like having to look elsewhere because I'm like, well, this isn't safe anymore. I can't ask questions, right? Or you know, and I was tired of being met with, you know, I have a lot of you know abuse in my past and all that other stuff, and I was tired of being met with, you know, give it to God or you just need to forgive or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, but this person is hurting me. Like, what? Why, what do I do about this? Do this do is wrong. That? This is wrong. This is right. wrong. And so, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that, those stories are all too, all too true. I know what that feels like. And I think yours happened before mine. So when I went through mine, you were there for me. Yeah. You went through yours. And soon after it was me and y'all like rallied around me during my time. So it, it is. Your breakup from the church, especially the black church, when it's like this, when it's been this sanctuary for you and it's been this strong tower for you. It was family. John, you and I are both the only child, right? And so that is where we had siblings, right? Like it was an extension of our cousins, right? Like, like that, that, those were our people. That was our community, right? Like when Ooh. things happened good or bad, those are the people that we celebrated and that we mourned with. Like, I just, I can remember the day I called my best friend, my childhood best friend. Um, I was, it was the, like the day after we left or I made the decision that I'm not going back to the church anymore. Um, never again. And da, 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 da. I called my childhood best friend and I told her that I would, would no longer be a member. And I told her mama I would no longer be a member. And I remember them trying to ask questions. And I was like, I don't want to tell y'all because I know y'all will immediately say she's lying mm-hmm. and shut me down. But they were wondering what was happening, crying, because it's like, you know, when you belong to churches like that, you know, y'all will never talk again. Yeah. Like this is the probably the last time. Yeah. 
because you cannot talk to the enemies of the ministry. And it sounds like a cult because it was. Yeah. Yeah. You can't talk to the enemies of the church. You can't talk to the enemies of the leader because touch not my anointing and do not yeah. do my prophet no harm. And it was so bad to the point that, and I don't want to start crying. It was so bad to the point that um, if you talked or even challenged the leader, a curse could come upon you yeah. and your family and your children. And people were scared. Yeah. People were so scared to question. And I remember calling her saying, I'm not coming back. And like us boo-hooing, like knowing this is probably like one of the final times I'm going to talk to you in my life. Yeah. And she had been my best friend since I was two years old. Yeah. We were 24. We were 20. Like, so that going through that trauma, I can say, you know, I ran across, I ran clean across the country to get away from it. I ran to California to go to seminary. (laughs) And I had to relearn Jesus again and decide if I still wanted to believe in Jesus because I, I, look, I was mad. I was mad. I was hurt. Yeah. So going through that, what does Jesus mean to you now? I can honestly say that I, I am in the process of of figuring who Jesus is. Mm. Um, in a lot of ways, my relationship with Jesus is changing because I'm, I'm beginning to ask Jesus questions, right? Like mm-hmm. Jesus, why, why did you call that woman a dog? Um, right. You know, like I, I got some questions for Jesus. Right. Um, and but other other than those, you know, questions, um, the ways in which Jesus really did, like, recognize and give honor to, you know, the marginalized and, um, you know, those who were being oppressed, um, um, we see that. And that, it gives me hope. Mm-hmm. Um, that I can aspire to be like that in real time, right? And mm-hmm. that I'm not perfect by any means um, and that I can, you know, choose friends who are aspiring to be like that, whatever their relationship with Jesus is, but that there's this understanding that um, there actually can be good in the world um, if we fight for justice um, for those in the margin, right. Mm-hmm. Um, on a large scale and a small scale. Right. And so, right. cause I would say, you know, Jesus earthly ministry was very much the one-on-one, right. In a lot of ways. Um, right. and so, wow. Yes. Like I, I want to change the world in whatever sphere that, that I've been, you know, given, given access to, um, it also matters that like I'm hanging out with college kids, right. And, and being mm-hmm. fit- to them right and like feeding them and all that and I don't do that for accolades right like or any mm-hmm. of that because like because of my understanding of Jesus because you know this one who you know hung out with the crazies you know and 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 the loud ones and you know a bunch of you know wild people um that's who I want to be right like 
Like if we all actually aspire to be that way, like if we all like, regardless of faith or, you know, where we are in the spectrum of faith or any of that, but we actually aspired to care for each other in real ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually think we can change the world. Like I think we, we can, and that seems huge, but like, if we all commit to that one thing, to that one person, right. And like, and realizing that I'm like, yeah, we have biases and, and, you know, Jesus had his own biases that needed to be addressed. Right. Like, uh, and cause he was fully human. Right. So, so yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Um, and also we have good, like we have these parts of, of God in us that, that together can make the world, you know, that together can bring healing. Um, and that matters. Saints, how you like it? I'm nervous putting myself out there for the first time. But sometimes y'all can be a little harsh. But I want to know how you like it, Saints. Tell me how you feel about it. Follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore Devereaux on IG too. If you got my number, text me. You got me on Facebook, send me a message. Let me know how you feel about the episode, Saints. For more on Lexi and her work, follow her on Twitter at Shay underscore D underscore Lexi. Let me know your thoughts, Saints. And until next time, good morning, saints.